We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 135 of the pod, but the first episode of the year 2020. Right into that, it, January 2nd, 2020. Uh, How are you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. We got to ex- exchange our pleasantries here. How was Christmas? How was New Year's? The Moose and Moons podcast on a bit of a hiatus took a week off. I'd say we deserve it, but that's for you to decide. And when I say you, I mean you, the listeners. We appreciate oh, you guys. Me. Sorry to rob you of an episode over the Christmas holiday, over your holiday, whatever you celebrate, over the New Year's holiday. But we had to, you know, we had to reset. We had to get right. We had to, and I'm, and I'm going to do it. And forgive me in advance. We had to get our vision in 2020. Yeah, that, that wasn't your best. Uh-huh. Um, that's pretty- <laughs> like every chick on Instagram, I got 2020. I agree. I saw that at least 15 times the last couple <laughs> days. The, the worst. Instagram. All right. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's just it. go off the rails here. Right Joe's there right in a grievance off the, off the top. On Social media. Go. Hit the grievance. Hit the grievance music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Social media has been insufferable for the last 72 hours. I'm proud of all of you. I'm happy for all that you accomplished. I'm happy for all that we've accomplished. I'm happy for all that I've accomplished. Quit patting yourself on the back. You spent at least a day and a half of 2019 recapping the year, okay? You posted all the things you did. You posted all the places you went. You posted all the vacations that you went on and that you won or your parents paid for or whatever it was. You did it all. You did it all. We're happy for you. Move on. If I see any posts on January 2nd about how successful you were in 2019 or about how great your decade was or how you overcame adolescent acne or whatever you did in the decade, I'm done. I'm done. I'm muting you. You're done. You're out. Okay? I'm happy for all of you. Let's keep it pushing in 2020. Let's do bigger and better things. But please... The self-congratulatory, self-congratulatory BS needs to be tapered here. If 2030 rolls around and it's still new year, new me, you're out. I'm cutting people out this decade. All right, Matt? You, you done now? That was passionate. <sighs> That's as passionate as I've ever used in a I wasn't even, That wasn't even on the rundown. I know. That it wasn't just, even on the rundown, but I've been feeling this way. And clearly, it had clearly to be done. that was something that was building up. Was there one one p- specific post? That no, no, it, off or just, it, no, was, it was, it was just it. a volume issue, just building and building. Because like I like I love it. I, I'm I'm really I'm a big social media guy. I'm a big Instagram guy. Yeah, you love I'm the big gram. Twitter guy. I watch everyone's stories, and I like most people's stories. But some some MFers got muted over the mm. weekend or over the week because. Uh, you know, it, it was too much. When when your story gets so long that it's just oh, lots at the top of the I screen, hate that. I hate that. it's a swipe through. And if I have the time, it's a it's a muting. It, like, I, it's I a don't muting. like that at all. I'm with. I you. think 2020 is my year of muting. I'm not going to unfollow. The year of muting. 
I'm, you, you got to earn the story. Oh, the muted. story, the story is, uh, the story is going to be earned in 2020. We're muting people. I have, I have people muted. You got to mute. You, know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to look out for your own self interest. You got to mute some people when it's inconvenient for you. I, I understand that. I have a couple. It's, it's okay. With that said, Matt. Here's to all that you accomplished in 2020. Thank you, you too, Joe. I'm proud of all that you accomplished. I'd like to think the Moose and Runes podcast has accomplished a lot. Let's pat ourselves on the back here. We've taken steps forward. Uh, I think our listenership has grown, and and you know the fun that we have, and just the the concise nature of these podcasts continues to grow. Um, But we still, you know, we still have the propensity to go off the rails here, and I think that's what what makes the pod the pod. Yeah, that's that's why we do what we do because (laughs) this is technically just an outlet for someone. Sometimes us to accidentally get on a tangent and you know air out all our grievances, let it out. You know, just it's a forum for us just to to get it all out. Now let me uh, pose the question so you can answer it. Okay, How's your New Year? About. It was good. How's your holiday? Oh, good? it was great. Good holiday. It was a low key Christmas. It was home, you know, home with the family. Tim and Tim and the uh, enjoy and the the baby were out of town, so it was just me, Mike, and, and my parents uh, for the most part. Just, just very low key, very relaxing. How about yourself? It was nice. You, uh, did you get to come you know, home? No, new, no, didn't come Parents home. Were out new guy, there, right? yes, new okay. man in town. So I worked the actual holiday. That's um, nice. It happens, you. It happens in Look our biz. You gotta do, do what it. you gotta do. Um, comp days, though. Shout out to comp days. Um, Big fan. But uh, no, it was it was a great holiday. Mom and dad came out after the holiday. Shelby arrived on Christmas Eve along with her sister. So it was myself, what Shelby, a Christmas her present. sister. I know, right? The couch and Shelby arrived on Christmas Eve. It was it was a great day. Which one was the better um, present? It was Shelby, obviously. But uh, you know, <laughs> a, ha- a happy. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even think there. It was Shelby, obviously. Um, but nice, she'll be nice. on, she'll be on the couch, a happy girlfriend on a new couch. It's, it's there's nothing like it. More important um, question. How's the couch? Couch is fantastic. I'm sitting on it right now. Okay. Um, couch, couch talk was episode like, uh, 134. Yeah, but couch we didn't talk about what you get. What'd you settle on? Uh, the Harris sectional from okay. West Elm. So Love we got sectional. A, Love a good oh, sectional. there's a little corner piece facing mm-hmm. right at the TV that's mounted on the wall. It, it's a whole situation right now. But, I like uh, that. No, it's uh, it was a it was a nice holiday with a, a small group, but mom and dad came out here. You know, you got the you got the Debbie and Joe stimulus package, a Target run, got the place whipped up. You know, garbage cans, all the things you don't remember you need, and then you need them. Uh, took care of me, so good times with the fam, um, and you know, getting to know getting to know this uh, this northeast area out here. Went went into the city, went into Manhattan one day. Um, during Christmas, it, it rivals Michigan Avenue. Yeah, I saw that leather jacket post. Speaking of posts on Instagram, it, 50, 50 degrees in December. If you're not wearing a leather jacket in New York, I mean, what are you doing? So, oh, that was that. Uh, you actually own that thing? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh okay, yeah. I thought that was that like was a, Christmas I found this and I'm gonna 2013. Wear it and take a I picture. think. Oh okay. No, yeah. that that jacket is that jacket is a forever piece in, a, in the that. closet. You learn. Yeah, you learn something jacket. new every day. That jacket has a comma in it, Matt. So, uh, so you you put you put some respect on that jacket. <laughs> you spent too much on that it was jacket. A, it was a gift, and we have a connection at Coach. We didn't obviously pay the amount. Come on, oh, well, come you, on. That's fair. Okay, that's a Jesus a comma store store discount, buddy. Store discount. And the, how about your New leather, Year? Did you the leathers like butter? Did, did you good. have to work on the New Year? Worked on the New Year as well, but came home, celebrated, popped the bottle. Um, uh, just Shelby and I, and you know, I, I am a low key. I'm a low key New Year's guy. I've always have been. I like if you can do, we could do dinner and like good good booze, small group, good group. That's that's how I want to. Yeah, how I want to spend it. That's a but, good way uh, to spend it. 
I feel like we'll get there later in the show, though. Yeah, you might have um, just answered a question that's coming later in the show, but thanks for that. Okay. But this this preamble has has rolled on, so why don't we dive into some topics here, Matt? We got we got a lot of football to dig into as it as it does wind down, and I don't want to lament. I want you know to be what happy. I'm thankful for in 2019? I want to be happy that it's still here. What are you thankful for? That we didn't have to cover the last two past two Bears games of the year on a podcast. Yes, that would have been that. that. That would have been trash. So yeah. I'm even going to put that off, and I want to look at the wild card <clears throat> slate this weekend. Talk about some good um, football first. Talk about some good football. Uh, I mean, it's going to be good football. It's going to be entertaining. These are good teams. But of the last six Super Bowls, all 12 participants have had round one buys. So maybe enjoy these teams now while they're here because history tells us that they're, they won't be in the Super Bowl, that mm-hmm. they won't be the final teams playing. I believe since the wildcard format launched in 1970, only 10 teams have made it out of wildcard weekend and to the Super Bowl. So history playing against these teams. Nonetheless, we will watch, we will wager, and we will enjoy. Um, wildcard weekend does kick off on Saturday uh, at uh, 435 Eastern. That's 335 Central with Buffalo and Houston. A combined zero playoff wins between these two quarterbacks. Uh, Something's got to give. Something does have to give. And um, Houston, you know, they've shown the ability to be a Super Bowl caliber team in spurts this year. No mm-hmm. consistency out of that team. Meanwhile, Buffalo's really, I feel like, going to have to control the time of possession, really just run the rock, trying to minimize the scoring to have a chance in this one. Uh, I think you hit it on the head, especially with Houston. I mean, it, it's obvious, but they have been a roller coaster all year. You never really know which team you're going to get. And they haven't had a ton of success this weekend in, in years past. And I, I think I kind of lean towards Buffalo just because, like you said, they, they play very consistent football. They're going to need to hang on to the ball, which they can do. And they need to play good defense, which they've done all year. Um J.J. Watt, is there an update on him in Houston? Is he playing? Is he on a snap count this week? Or he's what? not on a snap count, but his usage is unknown. He's going to go. He's okay. going to suit up. Whether <laughs> So he's, he's probably on a, a snap third count down of, pass of some rush extent. Guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the um, – I think there's going to be a doctor in his pocket every yeah. time he comes to the sideline type thing. Like, are you okay? Because when he spoke uh, – it was last week. He spoke and said, you know, I want to do this. I want to give this a go. I want to be out there with my guys to try and win a playoff game. He goes, but mm-hmm. I am aware of the consequence. So I think he's been told that you could rip this thing again and reset your rehab to, to like day one. Yeah, I think if he does that, I mean, it's more so, okay, you are gonna you might miss a game or two next year, but it's, it's probably worth the shot for him if he's willing to go yeah. through the rehab. But Houston, not even just outside of J.J. Watt, they're not terribly healthy. I'm looking at the injury report right now. you got names like Will Fuller, who's I feel like on that every week. He's questionable with yeah. a hamstring. Kenny Stills, Laramie Tunsil. If, if they're not healthy – especially that offense. I mean, they're a completely different team when the offensive line isn't there and Will Fuller's not on it. I just, something says I like Buffalo here, so I, I think Buffalo is the, the safer bet just because, like you said, Houston is a coin flip every week. Which team are you going to get from? Yeah, I think uh, in my eyes, if you don't bring it, if you don't show up in the playoffs as an inconsistent team, then you know, pack it up, do something different because your season was just as successful as... Uh, the teams that well, did so, so happened last so, day they they yeah. were the favorites at home going into a game against Indy last year and I think they what scored seven points they absolutely laid an egg in in front of a home crowd yeah so big big moment here for Deshaun Watson as as a starting quarterback big yeah moment. he doesn't have that big playoff win or big effort in, on his resume in the playoffs and this is one of his chances but like you said he, he's he's got three more and the the history of wild card teams going to the Super Bowl isn't that great a one 
The AFC offering wraps up on Saturday night with a, a new face to the wild card weekend for the AFC. First Joe. time in a decade, Tom Brady and the Patriots showing up on wild card weekend does not bode well for their long term success here in the season. And you know everything with that. I, I know we're a we're a Patriot podcast in the sense that you know we're going to be the last guys to punt on the mm-hmm. Pats. Alliteration. You're welcome. Nice, but that's a trick. The offense this year looks more anemic than any time I've ever seen it. Like they, they just don't have the ability to put together drives. They don't score points the way they did. I'm not convinced that they can flip that playoff switch this year on the offensive side of the ball. Now, can the defense keep them in this game? Can the defense win them this game? Yes. I mean, they, they ranked out at the top of most defensive ratings this year, even though they slid uh, towards the end of the year. You get a hot Tennessee team coming into Foxborough. Ryan Tannehill, who's played against the Patriots multiple times in his career throughout his tenure with the Dolphins, so he knows what they bring. He knows what you have to do to beat the Patriots. Sometimes that's a wonky play at the end of the game, like the Miami mm-hmm. Miracle. I digress. But, you know, you're going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry 25 to 30 times and hope that he can do his thing. Um, A.J. Brown on the outside has emerged as a possible Rookie of the Year candidate in the AFC, a fantastic season. So they do have the weapons. They are healthy. They do have the tools. But just going into Foxborough, winning in January, I think there is a mental hurdle that it's you also have hurdle. to get over there. This one's a toss-up to me. This one's a coin flip. I mean, l- luckily for them, they're also led by a guy who knows exactly what it takes to win in Foxborough, Foxborough in January because he did it as you know their middle linebacker for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it though. Like, I'm still not gonna go against the Patriots here. I think the Patriots are gonna win. I think it's gonna be a fun little bit of a back and forth game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, like you said, is playing his best football probably of his career. I'm not sure it's close. And he's beaten New England. He knows what that takes. I what just better moment can't... for him to come back to earth, though? <laughs> yeah, it'd be this one, and they, they get blown out. <laughs> I can't bet against the Patriots. I know their offensive talent just seems like it's pretty much non-existent. If, if Julian Edelman isn't winning them a ball game, then they're not winning that ball game. And people are getting on Tom Brady for that, saying, you yeah. know, in the past, like, oh, you've always said he's you, he makes his – players around him great you know he, he doesn't need talent to win that was when he was you know 30 35 not 42 he's obviously not the same mm-hmm. quarterback now that he was when he was 35 um i still can't go against them i can't go against that defense at some point i have yeah, to I feel, feel yeah. like that often at least hangs on for one more week i think they're going to win this one but i do think it's going to be a uh, a fun game to watch i actually kind of like the under and that if, if we're, okay. I know we're not talking that's not a lock of the week pick I'm just looking at lines right here because I have them in front of me uh, 44 it seems like a lot of points for that defense and, and how slow that offense has been moving and been moving in New England I like that um, the NFC kicks on Sunday and the early game features Minnesota and New Orleans a re- rematch Grudge match. Grudge, match. grudge match a rematch of the uh, Minnesota miracle or the Minneapolis Miracle, whatever, whatever the hell they called it two it's, years ago. It's all the same place. But, you know, that was Case Keenum throwing a ball to Stephon Diggs. This is now uh, a different quarterback. This is a guy who struggled in Kirk Cousins mightily in big moments, in big games, in prime time. Uh, we know the story about Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football, 0-9 now, worst record ever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an even bigger stage, and he's got to go on the road. He's got to travel to one of the toughest places in the NFL to play in the regular season, let alone the postseason in New Orleans, Drew Brees peaking. The line right now tells us that this is going to be a big-time New Orleans Mm -hmm. dominant performance from start to finish. I 
nothing in this matchup tells me it's going to go any different. I, I don't know. Like, New Orleans seemed to be that team that's peaking at the right time. And if there's one team this wild card weekend that I'm convinced can break that mold and it's, go to the Super Bowl, it's, it's the New Orleans Saints. You have a healthy Alvin Kamara who's starting to find himself again. Taysom Hill seems to be able to do everything in the world on the offensive side of the ball. Drew Brees feeling better. You know, he's been battling that thumb all season. He's now what seems to be 100% as they go into this game. All signs point to New Orleans. Minnesota's really going to have to do something special to win this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, you, you made a very good point there. You look at, you know, lines coming into this week outside of this game. The, the biggest one is five, and that's the Patriots being favorites. Seven at home, and a which half, I don't think I anybody would expect. New Orleans is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in a playoff game on wild card week against a 10-win Minnesota won 10 games, right, 10-6. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's almost unheard of. I think that means they know something. Obviously, some money is coming in on New Orleans, too. But the fact that the line is starting out that big means I think Vegas kind of knows something. And you said, talked about Kirk Cousins. We've kind of started to see him. We've seen him in big spots. We know what he can do. People were saying this year is different. He started winning some big games down the stretch. I kind of think you see a quote unquote big games down the stretch. No, no, no. I know. I'm just. No, but I think we saw on Monday Night Football in week 16 kind of who he's still. Kirk, Kirk is who we thought he is. Uh, mm-hmm. He laid an egg at home against a really Green rich, Bay. Against, mediocre quarterback. Yeah, against a, a Green Bay team that's good, but by no means unbeatable. And the yes. Vikings just kind of got dominated because their quarterback was terrible and their defense really couldn't slow. Them. But that starts because their quarterback couldn't hang on to the football and, and hold, you know, put together long drives. I think we mm-hmm. saw who he was. It's a, it's not a primetime game, but it's a playoff game with you know all the eyes on it in the dome. I that just that smells of disaster for the Minnesota Vikings for me. No doubt. And then the final game of the weekend, uh, we talked about it pre-show. Two teams just beleaguered by injuries. Beast Seattle, mode. Seattle and Philadelphia. Now, I'm going to give you something that might shed light on where the backfield in Seattle is right now. You went and signed a guy last week in Marshawn Lynch who was serving tequila 10 days ago in the Oakland Coliseum parking lot for the Oakland home closer. Yeah. They also signed a guy named Robert Turbin, who was working out alongside a guy named Joe Musso in Sacramento for the last three months. Now, no disrespect to Robert Turbin. Yeah, you should be working bice- out with Joe. His biceps are the size of my thighs, but he wasn't on a team. He, he was waiting for his call. He got his call. Um, you know, he didn't touch the ball much on, uh, on last Sunday, but... Marshawn did, and the uh, I forget the kid's name who had a really nice game um, this week. The other free agent pickup, yeah, this past week. Couldn't tell you, uh, yeah, exactly. So that's what their backfield looks like right now. Now, Russell Wilson, I think, is the best quarterback playing on Saturday and Sunday in Wild Card Weekend. Drew Brees is great, always going to be great. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback around, right? Drew Brees now. has had his moments in the playoffs where he's looked human as well, where mm-hmm. he gets a little bit tight as well. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, not right now. Six Super Bowls, not right now. Russell Wilson has eight playoff wins. He has a Super Bowl to his name. He's shown the ability to lift his team up despite the lack of talent around him, despite the injuries around him. You know, they get into a barn burner with what people think is or what is the NFC favorite by the odds in the San Francisco 49ers last week. He kept them in that game with just a Terrible, terrible offensive, you know, depth chart. Mm-hmm. 
they go into San Francisco, or excuse me, they're at home. They take on San Francisco to the final moment. Again, they mismanage a moment at the goal line where they take a delay a game, move it back five yards. Then they don't have the ability to give it to Marshawn. It's just a story that's been told in Seattle before. If they can get out of their own ways, if they can get out of their own way, I like them to win in Philly, but you can't count out a Philly team that just has, you know, a grit about them. You know, they have their own injuries. Pretty much all of their starters have been injured. But I mean, Joe, they're an injury away from calling you to play some wide receiver. Yeah, honestly, but Carson Wentz has been fantastic. He's looking – this is his first playoff start, if you can believe that, with all the success they've had in the playoffs. Carson Wentz has never started one of those games. So we'll see how he responds to the moment. He's been fantastic this season. I believe the statistic was he's the first – quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards and no one receiver eclipsed 500 yards. So he's gotten it done by throwing to everyone mm-hmm. her mother. Can he keep that going at home against the Seahawks? We'll see. I think it's going to be another fun watch. Yeah, I, I kind of can't buy into the Eagles just because that NFC East has been so weak. They kind of limped here. They, they got they got here by beating up largely on a weak NFC East. And like you said, they're as banged up as anybody. I mean, we were talking about Seattle's injuries. Phillies are probably even worse. Combine that with Carson Wentz hasn't really been here before. The play calling has been ins- inconsistent there. And Russell Wilson is as capable of putting a team on his back and just winning a game on his own as anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to win this one and win it somewhat easily. I'm not saying they're going to blow the doors off, but I'm not sure it's ever really going to be that much in doubt. It's tough for me to do that for a road team in the playoffs. Um, but I just I love the way Seattle plays football, the, the good Seattle team, at least, that we've seen this year. Um, they have, like you said, the best quarterback. They have probably the better coach here in the coaching matchup. And, like, they've been here before. Mm-hmm. I know Philly has been there before, but a lot of those guys are hurt and not playing. Um, their receivers aren't all there. I just I, I lean towards the known commodity here in the playoffs, and, and Seattle has a lot more of those. Yep. That's that's a fair analysis. Um, you know, nonetheless, as we said, these teams, none of them are in a a roster position to really, really do anything special this no. postseason, except the Saints. So I'm really going to be locked in on what the Saints can accomplish this weekend to build momentum to go play. You know, in in the divisional round and, and maybe end up in a battle in Levi's Stadium two weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, like, they got the the thing that makes me think they can be that wild card team to finally go to the Super Bowl for the first time, I think in what you said, 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, the NFC is not... Excuse me, six years. Six, oh, years. six years, sorry. Yeah. There's there's not many world... Be- like The Niners are good, but they've kind of down the season there's, showed there's that there's some, their some kinks in the armor. Like, yeah. You can beat them. The Packers, I think, are... They're a good football team. They're one of the Inflated worst 13 records. and 3 teams I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, all these games are very winnable, and when it comes down to it, I... We've said it. I'll probably take the known commodity in the playoffs, and the, the Packers have been here a bunch. They haven't had all that much success in the playoffs. The Saints, at least, the last few years have been making runs, winning football games, and getting that close. And how um, great How great would a rematch of the – I mean, what I consider, if you like offensive football, that was Saint, the, the Saints year Niners. in New Orleans, the yeah. Saints-Niners game. Uh, I believe that was three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, what a ma- rematch that would be, I think, a rematch that fans deserve and that those two teams deserve, I'm sure – uh, the Saints want another crack at it because what a game that was. I think it'd be fantastic to watch that as the NFC Championship game. I think they're the two best teams left, and I hope we get to see that one in the Matt, NFC. Matt, we've talked about the good football teams. Let's talk about the bad ones. Fine. Um, tell me about the Bears. Tell me about this press conference at the end of the year. I'm going to let you lead this off because I have 
uh, I have some feelings that. I, uh, that I'm gonna I'm, uh, first. I'm gonna try and calm me down a bit here. I know they said. No, I'm not. Know, I'm not all. I'm not all like. I'm not, not gonna calm you. Not more calm than Matt. Whatever. Yeah. I know they said they're. You know, Mitch is the starter next year. Um, there's not a lot they can say in a press conference other than that on day one. They also were asked, mm-hmm. Pace especially, was asked, like, hey, like, if there's a, you know, legit number one starter, whatever QB out there that, you know, you guys can go get, would you guys stray from that? He also, he didn't shy away from going out and bringing in options either. So mm-hmm. I, I think he actually towed the line very well of he's coming back, but he's also like, if the right quarterback is out there, we're not going to say no to bring him in either. I'm okay with that. Um, the, the biggest issue I think I had from it was they were specifically asked about staff changes mm-hmm. and said, eh, we haven't made a decision. And then literally 20 minutes after Five the press conference, 20 yeah. minutes, I was, was sitting it? at work. I was like, okay, might've been more like an hour, but it was yeah. very, very quickly after, um, we, we start getting leaks like, yeah, they're firing for, you know, offensive coordinator, OL coach, tight ends coach, one of their special teams, which I thought that was a. Somewhat of a cowardly move. Uh, I think yeah. it's. I don't like saying, "Oh, you disrespected the media. We deserve to know these things." But I just, I, I think that was something that if you're going to do it, you, you cowardly avoided it because you didn't want to answer questions about it and you didn't want more finger pointing to be at you. And that's what would have happened if people were asking about Mark Helfrich's, you know, play calling or not even play calling, but fired. Because Let me stop you Nagy for a would second have to and ask questions. you a question. Go ahead. What the hell does Mark Helfrich do? And I'm never gonna, uh, so I, I'm never gonna belittle him, but what was his role this season? I, because I, if he had anything things, to do with play calling, get out. Because one of the things I, I'm I read sure was Matt Nagy was calling the plays. One of the things I read was uh, he was largely in charge of the the run game. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, I'm very cool with him being gone because that run game was absolutely terrible. Um, the, the schemes weren't all that great. Obviously, the execution up front was was even worse. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, Mark Helfrich was a nice name when they brought him in, but he didn't really. I mean, he did more as an offensive coordinator at Oregon again under Chip Kelly when he wasn't even you know the real yeah, offensive you, coordinator. You know what like, Mark Helfrich? You know what Mark Helfrich did? And then he Mark drove Helfrich, the Oregon program into the ground. He set the Oregon program back five yeah. years. Like they're just yesterday was when the Oregon program just re came out. They had not been in a New Year's Six bowl game since 2014. Yeah. So there's great there's all you need to know about the there's all you need to know about Mark Helfrich's tenure at Oregon. That was a great Oregon game by the way. It fantastic, was fantastic uh, fantastic Rose Bowl. Rose bowl. Something different about the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah. but we but always seem to get a good one there. The the only issue or not uh, issue um, when they're looking for offensive coordinators for replacements not, you're probably going to have not the greatest selection because a lot of you're not going to get you know established offensive coordinators ex-head coaches now like Pat Shermer to come be Matt Nagy's you know offensive coordinator but not be the guy calling the plays be the guy on the sideline unless Ryan Pace specifically you know says we want this guy and you know your your leash is that short for play calling before we turn it over but then that's not really a healthy organizational structure if you ask me so I I think they're going to have to be looking at position coaches that probably Nagy has history with or people in the building have history with to come in and be their offensive coordinator which is something but again it all more comes down more or less to Matt Nagy's ability to call plays. I I guess to sum up my frustrations with that 33-minute press conference that those two geniuses held was, again, when you're looking at the leadership of a team and of a franchise, you want to see direction. And I know it's hard to know direction a few days removed from the end of a season. But there's no real platform to which we can latch on to like there's no real goal i mean there's a goal but there's no real means to achieve that Mm -hmm. goal 
Matt Nagy, the more I hear him talk, and you talk about you know the scapegoating and the lying to the media about the personnel moves, the more I hear Matt Nagy talk, the more I hear a snake oil salesman. The more I hear a guy that's that's you know playing outside of his ability. The more I hear a coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems like a guy who can maybe get a group of fifty plus guys to buy into something because he can give an impassioned speech after a win. But you got to be able to go out there and you got to be able to quell storms when there are storms and you got to be able to laud performance when when good things are happening. I have not seen him successfully do any of those things. I also would have loved to have heard Ryan Pace show a little bit of self-awareness. The answers that he gave, and I know he left the door open to bringing in another guy around, Mm -hmm. but the answers that he gave and the way that he gave them struck me as a man who is not yet ready to... He's going down with the ship. (laughs) ...admit his shortcoming. And and you got to be able to do that. you got to be able to say, obviously he's not going to go out there and put Mitch out there and burn him at the stake, but you got to be able to say, we want a quarterback who's going to help us win a Super Bowl. We believe Mitch can be that quarterback, but we are open to all options that Mm -hmm. get the Chicago Bears as close as possible to winning a Super Bowl. We are confident in the roster that we have. We are confident in the players that we have, and we believe that this coaching staff and these players can win a Super Bowl. But we are always looking for ways to get closer to winning a Super Bowl. There, I'm a general manager, okay? Can I have a job? There's your quote. Put it on the front page of the Times. Whatever you want to do, it's not that hard. You knew the questions you were going to have to answer. They answer. They did not throw you any curveballs. Be ready. Neither of those guys seemed ready to answer the questions they were going to be asked. Why? I Why? actually thought um, I, I was somewhat. I'm with you on Nagy. Obviously, last year we loved him. This year we started to see a little bit more smoke and mirrors. He doesn't have the greatest ability to just in game all that stuff. Um, I was perfectly okay with his answer on Mitch because the media afterwards, basically when Pace had that answer, kind of flipped it to him like, all right, so, you know, what does Mitch need to do to get to the next level? All that stuff be better. And he was very open, upfront and honest and said what everybody thought, which he didn't have to do, which not a lot of coaches do. And just said, he needs to learn how to read defenses. I need him to be a master at it. We're going to do whatever it takes to get him there. We're going to do our best to get him there. But he flat out said what everybody was thinking. And I respect that for him. I don't think that was throwing him under the bus because pretty mm-hmm. much everybody knows Mitch struggles, especially reading zone defense, seeing coverage disguises, all that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That was at least maybe <laughs> since that's the bar that I'm asking them to clear, it shows more about you know what they say to the media and what they tell us and, and how honest or lack thereof they are. But it was refreshing to hear him just kind of come out and say that and say that's what we're working towards. That's the goal this offseason is to get him to the point and – um, I, I guess if that's the highlight for me from the press conference, that might be a problem. But at the same time, these end of the year things like, yeah, your, your quote was great, and it would have been nice if Ryan Pace said that. But you can play all thirty, you know, team, NFL team, thirty-two NFL team press conferences. They're all going to sound pretty darn similar, just kind of dancing around answers, not really giving straight up answers. Yeah. You know, saying, "Oh, we got these guys under contract, so we're not talking about bringing whatever." I, I get it. They're not going to tell us an. Uh, a ton. I just don't I feel. Just, I just don't feel great about the leadership. That's I don't I, either. I, just, I feel a lot worse about the leadership this year than I did last year. But we still have you know guys who won executive of the year, guys who won coach of the year. And I know that's you know might be somewhat of a dulled down title after what you've seen they've done this year. It's just actions are going to speak louder than words for me. 
Uh, they, they have some decisions to make. There's not a ton of flexibility, but there is some there. I want to see what they do in the draft. I hope Ryan Pace does not trade up, you know, doesn't sacrifice picks to, to move up again. And I just, I need, I need to see him bring in some options in free agency, whether that's a veteran guard out there that, you know, can kind of write the ship with Kyle Long being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and admit your mistake at tight end. I know they can't really cut Trey Burton yet because of the dead cap. That's fine if you want to bring him back, but don't let your tight ends next year be Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton and stop drafting on potential. He's done. He, he's hit on some of those draft picks. Anthony Miller ended up having a really nice year, you know, finished to the year. Tariq Cohen had a down year this year, was really good the year before. Stop drafting on potential. Yeah, start drafting some known don't, commodities. Don't draft players to prove us to prove to us how smart you are, okay? By the way, there, there's, at, there is a time the and place. Look at the SEC and look at Ohio State. Yeah. Draft those guys. There's there's a time and place to draft potential, and I think when he was doing it, that was fine. Yeah, the fifth you know, round. In order, to, in order for an NFL team to go from, you know, Four and twelve, like the Bears perennially were, to twelve and four. You need to take some risks on draft picks and potential, and they need to hit. And you, you saw guys like Tariq Cohen hit. You saw a guy like Eddie Jackson coming off a broken leg hit. But we, we've obviously not seen that. Now we're at the point the Bears are where we need to start filling the holes. We don't need to jump up and grab the you know, the next potential superstar. We need to jump up and you know grab the next guy who's going to be a starter for you know the next ten years. Maybe not make a Pro Bowl, be reliable. You know this guy can come and this guy can play. We know what he gives us. That that's where the Bears are now. They're they're past the we need to start or we need to keep you know hoping we get the next superstar. Trying to get all creative too. Let's like you said, SEC, Alabama, Ohio State, whatever. Take the known commodity, the guys you know are NFL ready, not the guys we, you think might be in a year. And we don't really have the luxury of making all that many picks. So no, so you got to hit. Um, that's where that's where we find ourselves as Bears fans. It's a frustrating place, but. Take solace in the fact that each year, half of the playoff field finds a way to get out, and a new half goes in. I, I don't know what that means, but six teams in the playoffs this year were not in the playoffs last year. Hopefully, we are one of those teams next year. It's possible. I mean, it's it's still largely the same roster that you know we saw win twelve games the other year. They're not playing a first place schedule this year. The, the, I think they have the AFC East. Or no, AFC South next year, which is, I mean, that's as winnable of, a, of an AFC yeah. matchup as you can get. Um, so the schedule is going to be in their favor next year. They still have the talent. It's a matter of, you know, getting Mitch to figure out how to be a league average quarterback again, which he's done. And, you know, shoring up the holes on the offensive line. Yep. Uh, enough Bears talk for one day. We got to talk bowl season because uh, we have just been gorging ourselves. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. There has been some good college football, as we alluded to these and last some couple bad. days. And some bad. Let's not forget and the bad. And some bad. Rose Bowl was great. And Ode to um, – yeah. That was – that was I, – I, I don't know how, but it seems like every year the Rose Bowl just figures out how to be a really, really good football. Like Wasn't it last Sky, year Ohio State Sky was blowing turns, out Washington and then Washington kind of figured out a way to yeah. come back? Sky it, turns pink. Weird stuff happens. The sunset like, at the Rose Bowl, man. Always great. I feel like but, if, I, if I needed like a last – thing to see before i die it'd be the sunset of the oh, rose Bowl. well it just got dark nothing it'd, like it'd be a nice thing to see <laughs> uh justin herbert the story at the rose bowl rushes for three touchdowns becomes the first quarterback since who to rush for three touchdowns in a rose bowl can you name it this is trivia on the moose and runes podcast can i get like i don't need the exact year but how long are we talking it was in the 21st century that could be anybody. Okay, uh, it, was in the la- it was in the last 20 years. Terrell Pryor. No. 
Damn. That was, that was a good guess, though. Vince Young, 2006 against USC. Mm, I remember that game. One of the greatest football games. That was a fun time. game. That was a fun uh, game. But uh, Justin Herbert, an NFL prospect who we think of as a big arm guy, goes out there and shows his legs off. By the way, he did a lot for his draft stock. Because I, I think oh, at yeah. the beginning of the year, people were saying he might be the number one pick. Then he kind of mm-hmm. started, when he came back, he was dropping a little bit. I thought for for my money, he did as much for his draft stock last night as just about anybody. And I think he jumped himself probably back up you know, mid-first round now. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna break down all these games. Fair. No, but, uh, there's too many. I want I want you to give me maybe one or two, three if we're lucky. Your biggest bowl game takeaways from this bowl season. Uh, the Big Twelve might be very very overrated. Um, yeah. I, I know where you want, and maybe it just be this year. Uh, we talked about you know the ACC not being a very good conference, which they're not, but obviously they have Clemson. Oklahoma, whether that was a down year or we just don't know how the good Big 12 is, they didn't belong on the same football field as LSU. And I think that now makes them 0-4 in uh, in the college football playoffs. So they've gotten to the semifinals so many times, they can never really come close to getting over that hump. Um, that was probably, for me, the biggest takeaway outside of, you know, obviously, LSU is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Clemson, Ohio State, I think that was as fun of a bowl matchup as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, as a Notre Dame fan, personally, I'm happy that they showed up uh, and they look good, but it also kind of leaves, you see Chase Claypool had seven receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown, kind of leaves some more for desire, wishing that we could have taken advantage of you know the clear NFL talent at wide receiver we had there. They didn't. Yeah. Um, but that's it for me. The, the Big 12 was did a, not a lot for their stock, and I think that should hurt them in, in playoff conversations, even though... The committee seems to love Oklahoma because they're Oklahoma. And I was happy to see what Notre Dame did in their, their last game of the year. Uh, it was good to see Notre Dame what they do what they did. It doesn't just fix look, what they did. Just looking at that matchup, just it, it felt like such a consolation, which it is. It is. You, know, you, it's you didn't earn your way game. to the playoff. You didn't earn your way to a New Year's Six. It was a consolation prize. And the story of Ian Book continues to be written that – He's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back, and we'll see what he can do against good football teams. Because he's gonna have to face yeah. a few next year, but against you know against perennial teams, he's not all that good. And against nobodies, he looks like Joe Montana. Yeah, and he did that again. Now um, that, in their bowl game, that could have been a game. I mean, you saw that matchup, and uh, Iowa State is a really well coached football team. They're mm-hmm. a pretty talented football. Oh, it could team, have been a let up. It, it could. That, been a that's that. That from is is the reason I'm happy they did this because yeah. it was a lot. They were only Notre Dame was only three and a half point favorites. Against the seven and five football team, which means Vegas kind of saw it as a possible left down spot. To their credit, they performed. They 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 showed up and played really well. Yes, Uh, but like Uh, you said, it's absolutely a letdown. It's absolutely a consolation, and that's that's okay to admit that they would admit it too. Eleven win seasons, am I? Eleven eleven win seasons. So how how mad can you be? But uh, you can be a little mad. (laughs) My biggest takeaways were uh, were as follows, and my my number one takeaway was that Jim Harbaugh. Ooh. is an okay coach. He's not a good coach. He does not show up in the moments. His teams do not respond to the moment. You saw a fantastic coach, a legendary coach, Nick Saban, get his guys to show up in a bowl game that essentially means nothing yesterday. Yeah. Gave them a... Talk about constellation ear, spots for Gave Notre them Dame. an ear-beating, visibly on the sideline. I'd love to hear what he said to them at halftime because they come out in the second half and absolutely tag, them, tag a Michigan team. Jim Harbaugh's team did not respond, you know, no. and, and and that's, it's like the it's they, the 
paradox of fool me once, fool me twice. This is fool me 750 times. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you, Jim Harbaugh? Because it's not the elite coach that Michigan paid for, that Michigan fans hope for. At some point, the boosters are going to get fed up, and that guy's going to be looking for a job. Like, that was one. Of, that was my biggest takeaway. That seat is red hot right now. He's got to do something next year. When I mean something, mm -hmm. he's got to make the college football playoff next year or get out of town because that that's that's the way this thing is heading and he'll always have a, he'll always have a job somewhere there's no oh, yeah. recognition there's a body of work but I, I don't believe that michigan's the place where he's going to see a success that's my number one takeaway no i honestly kind of think you, you might have hit it on the head. like the, the stanford job i think might have been perfect for him because it's a place you know that there's some expectation there's not a ton and you can go eight and four you can and control nine and four, your and that's variables okay. yeah. yeah like that's all right if you're eight and four at stanford because you're going to have a 10 and two year here and there um, he's shown time and time again in the big moments against the big in, in the big spots against teams that are as athletically gifted or more. He can't really scheme to keep them. You know, they play. They had a nice first half when Alabama uh, sleepwalked, but he can't really scheme mm -hmm. to keep his team in, team in games. He can't out scheme teams. And dude, Nick Saban just wiped the floor with him in the second half. Like you said, he got a team motive a team of guys. Who were told all year playoff or less, you know, playoff or bust, nothing else means anything, to show up in the Citrus Bowl and, and go out and outscore Michigan twenty-one to nothing in the second half after just absolutely yeah. laying an egg. Um, also in that game, I just—it's been said we've we, people talked about it the last couple of years. What a disappointment Shea Patterson's been at Michigan. Yeah, I mean he came in touted and rightfully so with how he looked at Ole Miss, touted as you know. This is a, a legit five-star Heisman candidate quarterback. But the again, guy can't hit a deep ball to save his life. I only put so much of that on Shea Patterson because we're projecting 18-year-olds here. And you know yeah. what makes 18-year-olds great 22-year-olds? Great coaches. Great coaching. Mm -hmm. Great coaches. And, you know, it's even another discredit to the name of, of Jim Harbaugh and, and as we continue to slander him. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> like – I also kind of like seeing Saban run the ball and score another touchdown at the end. I'm not yep, lie that was great. Because uh, no. Har Harbaugh's voiced his uh, his opinions on Saban and the SEC quite a bit over the last couple of years, so I think that was a one last little you know gut punch. Another another takeaway for me was that the um, something needs to change again from an officiating standpoint because for as amazing a watch that Ohio State Clemson game was and as amazing as a fourth quarter it was. Mm -hmm. The narrative of that game changes if they get the call right on what was clearly a catch, a yeah. possession, and a fumble. Um, that that completely changes the momentum. That complete the butterfly effect changes the entire way that that game unfolds. Now, would we been robbed of those um, those intense moments at the end of the game? Perhaps, but you got to get it right. Um, I, I think that we saw a lot of bad officiating in bowl season, and that's really the grandest stage here for, yeah. for the college football playoff and, and you can't get things wrong that are that blatantly right in review no less like yeah that was the thing for me with it. that call it wasn't like you just got it wrong and stuck with it you looked at it and i looked at that just as many times as they looked at that still don't see it still don't see an incomplete pass the thing the thing that got me is if you would have reversed it you said on the field they called it you know incomplete and yeah. they go back yeah. that, they that called I, it a in, fumble in fast mo like in regular speed whatever like that absolutely looked like an incomplete pass it looked like he just kind of got it and then lost it try to bring it down then when they slowed I it down it. i tweeted it. sorry looked, these guys are fast now yeah like that that looked like a fumble i I was shocked that they were actually able to overturn that. I thought at the very least they're going to say, you know, it's inconclusive evidence, touchdown, Ohio State, whatever. Um, then you talk about officiating last night in the Rose Bowl, that brutal offensive pass interference call. Yeah. Uh, at the end. Now, but 
the, the thing that comes down to, to me, that both teams that kind of got screwed by the officiating late were both teams that had chances to put the game away and left it up to the officiating. Wisconsin yep, turned the ball true. over four times. Uh, I don't think Wisconsin, Wisconsin turned over either zero or none. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin had that special teams turnover, block punt that turned into a touchdown. Ohio State was a Dropped punt. <laughs> Ohio, Ohio State had a chance to be up 24 to nothing or whatever it was at the end of the first quarter. And yeah. they were up 13 nothing because they couldn't close out drives. They couldn't finish out. And you can't do that to a team like Clemson. You can't nope, give you, them you gotta, extra chances to win. They gave them extra chances to win early. They left it up to the officiating. And that's you what happened. Kill, you got to kill the monster when it's yeah, bleeding. And you let you let Dabo Sweeney get more chances to call great plays. He did that. You gave Trevor Lawrence a chance to move to 25-0 and 0 as a starter. He did that. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's Again, no one's fault it but their own. It shouldn't have been left up to the officiating, but be they left yeah. it up to the officiating. The officiating absolutely has to be has to be better. But those two teams, I mean, those are the, the – if we're talking about officiating, those are the two that really stick out in everybody's mind. Those are two yeah. teams that were the better team on a given night but left things up to the officiating, left things up to chance. And when you leave things up to chance against good teams, it's usually going to come back to bite you. When you give Trevor Lawrence the best quarterback in college football extra chances, he's usually going to beat you. Not much needs to be said about the Georgia and the LSU game. So I want to pose a question to you, Matt, before we move on to some picks here. Sure. What team do you feel would have been better suited in the four seed to give LSU an actual run for their money after what we saw on the New Year Six Bowl games? Obviously not Utah. Baylor and I Georgia mean, did their thing yesterday. I think maybe Georgia is. I mean, maybe, but we but we saw that. I mean, right? Yeah. We we saw. I mean, granted, it'd be a, facing them a second time, and maybe they figure it out. I just I think this was a three year. You know, a year where there's three, three teams team that belong to the playoffs, and then everybody else. Yeah, yeah. like you, you had to have a fourth. Um, Oklahoma, by kind of default, by everybody just kind of losing and cannibalizing themselves, was the fourth team. And that really that really puts that much more value on that one seed. So I yeah. think it worked. This uh, year. I, don't know. It, it, I, I think this year the seeding was as valuable as it's been, and it, and it showed to be that. But I don't think there was really a great fit as a you know fourth team. This team can for sure give LSU a run for their money. I think LSU is the best team in football. Doesn't mean they're going to be Clemson, but I think they're the best team in football all year. They played like it, and that's kind of where they ended up being. They, they got lucky. They got Oklahoma in that game, and Oklahoma just was probably a. Like I think LSU's coaches even kind of said one, you know, the number ten, number fifteen type team in the country, which isn't a bad yeah. thing, but that's just kind of where they were. Still ten days to the college football championship between LSU and Clemson, so we will break that one down on episode one thirty six of the pod. But cannot if wait. You, a little lean here. If you can get Clemson still getting five and a half, I, I think there's just value there in a team that's never lost a football game under this coach. Uh, or under this yeah you so. you saw how talented too Clemson still is I mean obviously they had the a little bit of an up and down year a little bit of a sleepwalking type year but you mm-hmm. saw against Ohio State who everyone and their mother want to tell you was the most talented team in the country Clemson went more than toe for toe with them obviously beat them and they had as much talent on the football field as Ohio State did uh, that said Matt let's jump into some picks here we're going to take it back to the NFL two weeks ago I pushed you one you're eight and seven I am seven seven and one so you carry a game-and-a-half lead all we uh, need. into these final weeks here. Matt, why don't you give us your NFL pick for the weekend? Uh, I might have hinted at it a little bit earlier when we are talking wild card, but I really like the Saints minus 7.5. The hook scares me. If you can mm-hmm. get it at 7, do it. Uh, we're seeing it at 7.5, so that's the line for now. Uh, I just I can't buy into Kirk Cousins. I'm going to buy into to the known commodity, the known team. 
uh, in the playoffs for as long as I can. Um, I think that's the safer bet. I'm going to go with the Saints. Seven and a half, it's a lot of points, but they're at home in the Dome. Kirk Cousins on the road in the playoffs in a big spot. That doesn't scare me. I feel like I've bet Houston more than any team this season. I think they've, you have. Uh, uh, which is not smart because they've, they've been inconsistent. But they've when probably done 500 for you. When I look at the board, um, I, I, I like this the most this weekend. I like Deshaun Watson to have his moment. I like this defense to um, really slow down an anemic off. Like I, I don't believe in the Bills' offense at all after what I saw them do in prime time against a Steelers defense that was okay. Like They mm-hmm. really weren't able to score that many points. They weren't really able to amass yards. And if they want to take this into a time of possession in the trenches thing, Carlos Hyde just ran for what was it 2000 plus yards like all those had a great year on the ground so uh, the the texans have the ability to do that as well i'm also looking for a little jj watt bump so my pick is houston covering the two and a half i just love that number at home part of me just wants to see buffalo win because buffalo deserves it yeah but these are not wants that's also true we're betting off analysis here that's why i'm fading your want that's Uh, fair i like buffalo two and a half again playing for two dozen of a golf ball of choice uh, we're going to bet that through the Super Bowl uh, matchup. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it with my half-game um, lead. Jump in a little buy or sell? Let's do it. Uh, why don't you leave us, lead us off? All right, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna talk some baseball here. Uh, okay. the, the last time we talked, we were uh, a little anxious about what the White Sox were going to do. Are they going to get anybody? Is Nomar Mazzara it? Are they just going to stand pat? They didn't mm-hmm. stand pat. That's your spoiler. Um, since we've last spoken, they signed Dallas Keuchel to a three-year contract, which could turn into a fourth and the biggest contract in team history if, if he if he hits that. And mm-hmm. then they went out and just got you know proven 30, 30 and eighty guy Edwin Encarnacion to, to be their everyday DH. Slot him into the DH. Since then, the Twins have uh, they've lost CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope, where they're starting first base and second baseman, and their answers to addressing the back end of their rotation uh, were Rich Hill and Homer Bailey. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, buy or sell the White Sox are the favorite in the AL Central? I'm going to sell it just because I looked at the the numbers on this one, and Cleveland is still the actual favorite. Okay. Um, I love what the White Sox have done. I love the way they've reconstructed a roster. I love the indication that it's time to win. But in terms of the favorite, they still got to prove to me that they can turn the potential that they've had for the last couple of years mm-hmm. into ball into wins. You know, it, it's a long season. You got to do it consistently. They've not shown me that they can do that yet. So, you know, with a guy like Dallas Keigel coming in, not only offering his services, but his leadership, a guy who's been there before, um, that's big, but I need to see it before I can fully buy into this, not just being a six games over 500 team. That's fair. Uh, I, I'm going to buy it partially because um, I, I like I, I like that they brought in those guys like Dallas Keuchel and obviously Edwin Encarnacion because they've been there before. But like the spots that they've those guys are going to fill are the spots that have let them down in the past. I think that the last couple of years we've seen the talent, we've seen the potential start to flash. There's just no supporting cast around it. I think they're finally they, they saw this team's ready to win. They're building that supporting cast around it. I don't like what the Twins have done this offseason, Obviously. Um, I still think when it's all said and done, Cleveland's not quite done selling. They've said they're not going to bring back uh, Francisco Lindor pretty much. I think he's going to be traded at some point. Uh, Corey Kluber's already gone. I don't love what they've done. Granted, they have an unbelievable manager, but I think that can only get you so far. Um, And I think the White Sox are the most talented team in a very 
average to below average division, which is a huge factor. If this was the AL East, I would not be saying the Sox are the favorite. It's the AL West, I'm probably not saying the Sox are the favorite, but it's the AL Central, the, the the only team that seems like the, the the team that seems like the best competition yeah, is a I, team that's not going to hit 300 home runs again this year. It's just not going to happen. On paper, they look good, but they don't play their games on paper. Yeah, don't, don't, um, I, I guess, don't What, what I guess was that? That was like a kind Who of was a Vin, that? that was a little bit of Vin Scully. That was like just a little bit of like that's baseball fair. writers of America type feel. Yeah, that's what that's I was saying. There, I respect that. But like you said, we we need to see it from the talent. But the, yeah. the, the, the talented prospects, I thought last year. We got an AL batting champion. We got a guy in Yohan Moncada who absolutely had a breakout year. He was top mm-hmm. five, I think, in batting averages. His war was uh, was off the charts too. Uh, you know, I'm excited. You, you That's now what's have, most important. Yeah, I'm you excited. now you now have two thirty and you know thirty and eighty, thirty and a hundred guys in Abreu and Encarnacion in the middle of that lineup. You have a proven catcher who's probably top four or five catcher in baseball. Uh, right now, the weak point in your lineup appears to be Nomar Mazzara, who's a guy who's been twenty and eighty, twenty and seventy every year yep. of his career. So, Matt, I'm going to take us back to football here for mm. a buy or sell. Buy or sell, Urban Meyer is coaching in the NFL next season. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. Um, I, I think he's going to be coaching Cleveland uh, at some point here in the next couple of weeks. I think it, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Cleveland or Dallas. Obviously, Washington was a name rumored there, but they just hired Ron Rivera. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the... We saw John Dorsey get fired, resign, whatever, yesterday. I think that was over... The Haslam saying we want Urban Meyer um, because the, make the, him football czar. Yeah, the report was they had a disagreement on the future, you know, like path of the team, like you know what what direction to take the team. I think that's the direction the the Haslam's wanted wanted to go um, yeah. because Urban's not coming in to work for a guy like John Dorsey, who is a very strong willed, very I'm going to do it my way kind of guy. And if you bring in Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer's bigger deal, bigger image than John Dorsey. Um, yeah, it's got it's got all the makings of the college coach who can't do it at the NFL level. And I believe Urban oh, I'm not saying you're wrong. It. I'm just saying no, he's going to be there. I believe Urban can do it at the next level. I don't think anyone can do it in Cleveland right now because they've built a football team from the outside in. They've mm-hmm. spent an exorbitant amount of money on wide receivers. You're going to have to pay Baker if you, if you believe he's your quarterback of the future or you're going to have to reset with a new quarterback. It's just not set up to win there. So he can have all the power in the world that he wants. They're never going to be above 500 until something changes from a you know, personnel standpoint. I mean, I, it's it's easier said than done, but I think you need to find a trading partner for Odell Beckham and use that yeah. salary, use him, whatever, to pick up offensive lines. Because if they get a decent offensive line, they're not that far off. The defense wasn't terrible. Um, yeah. I think you're in a decent spot, but they just they're, they're so bleak and meager on that offensive line that it's, it's really tough. I and mean, it's it's tough to get Odell Beckham Jr. the ball if you know you have a non-athletic quarterback in the pocket who is getting swarmed right away. And it's tough to protect the quarterback when you can't afford a serviceable offensive line. Also true. <laughs> Where have we seen that before? Matt, hit me. Uh, you kind of answered it already, but I'm just going to ask a very topical question here. Mm-hmm. So buy, buy or sell the big New Year's Eve night out? Uh, big New Year's Eve night out. I thought this was just well, buyers. Well, buyers. well New Year's Eve ha- is going to happen, so we're yeah. <laughs> we have you no have say. To buy it. It. You we have, have no, no say. It does it. happen. You have to buy it. <laughs> okay, so I, the I big New the Year's Eve night out. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it because like uh, I think if you can I think if you could do New Year's Eve with the people that you know mean the most to you and mm-hmm. and, and really have a nice uh, quiet's not the word, but a. a, a a lower key night. That's yeah. a, those have been my best. Those have been my more enjoyable New Year's Eve. So I, I will always remember. I think it was twenty. 
I want to say 2014 or 2015, we got a table at Cortino and drank like 17 liters of wine, however they pour them there, yeah. and just had the time of our lives, rang in the new year, went to sleep. Like that's that's, that's the ideal New Year's for me. Or, you know, bottle of champagne on the couch with a couple mm-hmm. of your best. Like that's it for me. The whole get a tuxedo, oh, go God, someplace, no. pay a terrible. $200 cover to be with people you don't know. Just not for me. Yeah. Just not for me. I feel like when you you just kind of graduate college and you just get out, or even when you're in college, you, you feel like you got to do something for it and get you know you got to find something big to do New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Feels like just about everybody has a very similar opinion to us. The older you get, the more low key you kind of want New Year's to be. Like we did, we rented a, a cabin up in Michigan City and just had like nine or ten of us up there. Like that, that's perfect. We just kind of hung out in the it, cabin, yeah. you know, had New Year's Eve. Uh, like you said, spend it on the couch, go to a restaurant, whatever, nothing big. Like I don't need to be paying a hundred bucks for a cover charge for essentially a spot to stand in one glass of champagne when it hits midnight. That's, that's you got, not, uh, you got 363 days to figure it out. So, yeah. uh, let's, let's make some plans. Let's make some plans. You want to do, do New uh, Year's Eve? Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. I think we got time. So yeah, we got- <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. but for now, Matt, buy or sell, I'm going to take you back again to college football. Okay. You know, um, I like that. To a top. Tua Tagovailoa Tagovailoa plans to make his uh, decision, his future, on whether or not he wants to go to the NFL or go back to Alabama on January 6th. I don't know what's special about the 6th. But uh, buy or sell, Tua goes to the NFL. I still have to buy it. I know the reports Mm -hmm. are saying he's leaning towards coming back, and that might be all well and good. And In in his own mind, he might be. Uh, You got to go. Yeah, you have to go. I, I know he if he you know comes back and is a top five pick, whatever that bumps up his salary to however many more million. But if you come back and get hurt and then you fall to the third round and then don't sign a second contract, that you know drops your career earnings by even more than that. Um, go to the pros, learn under a guy for learn under someone for a year, get drafted, you know, 10, 11, whatever, wherever it is, in between 10 and 20 slip a little bit, but be put into the right spot. I think this injury honestly might be a blessing into disguise for Tua because now he's not going to go to mm-hmm. Cincinnati. He's not going to go somewhere that's going to ask him to you know, lift the weight of the world on his shoulders and, and win football games in a terrible place. He's probably going to go somewhere where he's going to be able to be a backup for a year. He's going to be able to learn. He's going to be able to get healthy. And they'll probably not, probably not even a backup, actually. They, they might just tell him, like, hey, we're good. Just get healthy. Let's rehab. You're down Let's this year. That's okay. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a ble- if he goes, which he should, and I think Nick Saban will probably tell him to. Um, this is this is the best thing for you, even though you're not going to be that number one pick. This will end up being a good thing for your career. Yeah, I think uh, especially as a guy who's taken a ton of hits as a small guy too, get a little bit healthy, hit, just take the year. You kind of hit on all the bases there. I just don't think there's anything else for him to accomplish at the collegiate level. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that another national title will do anything for his draft stock. I don't think that, I think the only place where you only go, only place you can go from here is down. The see, I, I don't agree a hundred percent with that. I think the only place that he can improve in the eyes of these draft analysts and of scouts is putting together a 12 game season in which he plays all 12 games in which he's healthy in which mm-hmm. he can bear that load because it's a bigger load in the NFL. It's a 16 game season or 17 week season. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're doing things right, more than that, you're playing 20 games. If you're really doing things right. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think that there's much that 
he can accomplish, get better, and I think you put the right PR around him, and he's still a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. You can you can sell this thing. I mean, Baker Mayfield coming was a was was a third-round prospect. They put the right PR around him, and he went first overall. So yeah, I mean, I really think that I know different situation because Tua's got Tua broke a hip. He's mm-hmm. got two bad ankles but I think that you can convince a team to take him mid to late first round. Yeah, I think with with desperation for quarterbacks in this league, I would be shocked if he fell anywhere past the first round. And by the way, if he did, Ryan Pace should absolutely use the two-second two round. I'd always said draft the known commodity, whatever. Yeah. That's a situation where I'd say package those two-second round picks to get the first whatever you need to do, move up a couple spots and get to it. And that can, he, that's a per, talk about a perfect spot for him to come in and sit for a year. Oh, God. I'm yeah, just someone, saying. Someone, someone to learn under, Mitch Trubisky. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Matt, let's, let's say goodbye here. I, he's a good, you had to he's take a good me, leader. You had to take me to a negative place. Before no, I just we, said, I said, if that's a, I said if that's the situation, the Bears should trade up for him. That's not negative. That's being positive. That's talking about um, Tua being a Bear. Before we, before we do say goodbye, obviously extending our, our thoughts um, to the Stern family, former NBA commissioner David Stern, mm-hmm. who just completely – reworked the league and, and reworked what the NBA meant to pro sports, um, passing away at the age of 77, obviously tail, terrible news, but, uh, you know, th- the most astounding thing that I saw in all the obituaries was he took the NBA revenue from $10 million annually to around $900 million annually. Is that good? Ten year as commissioner. Is that good? It's, it's better than good. And it's, better it was better than, than good. good for him. It was better than good for the league and all these players. So, thoughts for him and one that kind of fell um to to the to the wayside through all that was don larson also passed away yesterday the only mm-hmm. pitcher to ever throw a perfect game in world series history so another legend um gone i believe he was 90 so the condolences that we we hate to end the pot on a, on a morose note but um that need to be passed along mm-hmm. that's that was well said all right well, that's I, gonna do I just well the David Stern I just I, I, I grew up with that you know watching the NBA draft yeah I've, I've heard the Michael Jordan announcement like a hundred times is uh-huh. even when I hear Adam Silver call people like I can only hear David Stern saying with the first <laughs> pick in the two thousand whatever NBA draft that that's kind of the lasting yeah. legacy because we only caught kind of the tail end of his his tenure. Um, yep. Where we were actually that involved in sports, but that—that's for me—is is just what always sticks out in my head when I think of David Stern just at the podium with that very distinct and, voice. You know, being in Sacramento for two years, there's a, there's no place where he's revered more. He really he was one of the he was one of the deciding factors in keeping that franchise in Sacramento when they were looking to move it. Um, he was the he was the end all be all. He was the final say, and they've. You know, they've named the street David Stern uh, Parkway or Walkway um, around the stadium. So I did not know that. Forever immortalized there, and they love him because they kept a he kept a franchise in Sacramento. So um, interesting to see it from that standpoint as well. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, it was lovely that's talking do it. to you. I, I've it's missed gonna, you always, always, Matt. Missed you as well. Uh, oh, can I ask you a question? Before. I saw of you, you speaking. Going back to Instagram real quickly. Mm-hmm. I saw your story or whatever of you before your broadcast last night. Was that a green blazer? Green suit. Green suit. Green suit okay. Man. Yeah. Why the red pocket square? Is it like a Christmas thing? Or I don't know. Those, yeah, those I mean, colors kind of clash. Now, now this Christmas. is a, now this is a this is a, Fa- surprise Joe's fashion corner. This isn't a visual medium, so you're you're doing a disservice to what okay, was Okay, well fantastic. then go to Joe's Instagram. Uh, what's my Instagram handle? Uh, uh, Joey Moose Six. Joey Moose Six. That's a plug. Check it out. That's a plug. Um, it's more of like a forest green, like like a yeah green. 
Uh, no, it's not green. Oh when, when no, you it's say not green. Kelly green. It's a when dark you, green. When you say Sorry, green, you, yes. So it's not a Christmas green by any means. It's All a green forest green, green. And the pocket square was not red. The pocket square was burgundy. So forest green and burgundy, oh warm tones. Just shades, learn something, Matt. Shades. Sit down. Shades of color. Sit down. Get a notebook and learn yourself something. All right. I disagree. That's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast. I know. So one thirty-five of the pod. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. As always, like it, share it, tweet it. We need your mailbag questions. We want to get back on that in 2020. Be good, folks. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.